It's refreshment time, folks. After returns and videotapes. Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Do you like scary movies, Sydney? You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. Don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles, each for rent at just $2 the first night and only a... Finish it. I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you are aware that there's an invention called television, and on this invention they show shows, right? Tonight on Six Dead World. Okay, one channels 18, 24, 63, 10987, and weather channel. Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts Justin and Alec. Hello and welcome to episode 2020 of the Frog Brothers Podcast. I am your co-host, Alec. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Justin with my co-host Alec. Who uh yeah. Who am I again? Am I Alec? You're Justin. Can I still be Garth? <laughs> yeah. Can I still be <laughs> Garth? On that note, uh, let's crack a cold one here. Yeah, I already have a uh I have one of those you know, it's a really high-end beer. I don't know if you've ever had one of these, but it's the coolest thing about it is it has uh, the mountains turn blue when the beer is cold. Uh, it's uh, Coors Light. Coors Light. Rocky Mountain cold water. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. Uh, the guy cracked. who sold it to me said it was a really, really uh, you know, rare beer. So. Yeah. I just cracked a uh, White Claw natural lime flavor, so that one goes out to Johnny Ruckus. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, son. See, 12 years ago, a misinformed, youthful Alec, even yourself probably would have made some joke about a vagina there. And I just want to point that out because we're better people now, and that's great. You can drink a White Claw, and I don't judge you for it. I don't give a shit. But I've never had one. (laughs) <laughs> They're cheap. They don't really have a lot of flavor. They don't taste bad. They're just like, if you've had any of those flavored waters, they taste just like that, but there's alcohol. So if you like the seltzer waters, they're just like seltzer water with alcohol. They're not great. They're not quite as robust or as flavorful as beer, but, you know, when you're on a budget, they're dirt cheap, and uh, they are better than a lot of fucking shitty light beers out there, so, um, you know... If you're judging me for this, just be thinking the gl- think the god aboves or belows or arounds or arounds and a downs on the towns and acting up and dressing like clowns that I'm not drinking some Bud Light or some trash beer like that. I'm drinking Coors Light, which uh, I would definitely say is trash beer. I also have another beer sitting here waiting. Uh, he's the other beer's co-pilot. It's, yeah. It says a fine Pilsner beer on it. And I used I didn't these used to say the champagne of beers on that? Uh that's another variety by that. Oh, what is that? That's High Life, son. Oh, that's right. That's right. Same maker, but yeah, I used to drink a sh- when oh, I lived, I do have a When I, I lived in Memphis, High Life. When I lived in Memphis, I used to drink fucking High Life all the time at the bar when I used to go down to Murphy's. That was the go-to yeah. beer I drank there was that when I wasn't drinking Newcastle. I'd start off with like a Newcastle or something then because they didn't have like the craft beer was not what it was. It's not what it is now back then in like 2006 and six and seven. I want to say is when I moved down there. So 
would would yeah. get all fancy with the Newcastle and then switch over to some uh, Miller uh, High Life. My God, we've grown. Hmm? We have sophisticated palates now. Yeah, I'm really more of a white Russian with almond milk kind of a guy, but, um, you know. I mean, they make Baileys with almond milk, so I can have all the fucking glorious vegan cocktails. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of I'm kind of weird. Everyone's always getting pissed off at me because they're like, "Why do you drink so much gin and tonic?" Well, I fucking like gin and tonic. What can I say? In my yeah, younger my days, ass. do you not like it? Don't drink it. I'm not in my younger you. days, it was an assload of rum and Captain Morgan. No, Captain Morgan and Coca Cola, basically. Can't be Pepsi. If I had a Pepsi from somewhere, it pissed me off. But that was the old-fashioned times, and shit, I rarely drink anymore any day, anyway, so. Yeah, but, it's a pretty rare occasion for me, but, I, I, you know, I, I smoke a fair amount, but these days, uh, I mean, maybe once every two months I'll have a few beers, but I'm not one of those people that's just like, yeah, I just like to have a, have a beer, I don't like to get drunk, and I'm just like, well, then there's no point in fucking drinking if you're not gonna feel it. Just drink a fucking water, you bitch. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not trying to get wasted or anything. I'm not trying to slur and fucking stumble down the stairs, but I want to feel that shit if I'm going to drink it. Yeah, I could respect anyway, that. Rant Seems over. To me, you know, if I'm getting together with the fellas, you know, we do some board game nights and game nights or whatever like that might be. Have some, have some drinks that way, but we haven't really done that. We did one outdoor gathering since COVID happened, and we haven't really done any other game nights, but I've got a couple yeah. of... Back to the Future board games. Target's selling one that's more of a dice-style game, and then Walmart has a different one. So I picked both of those up and to go with both versions of Ghostbusters Monopoly. And, of course, I picked up a Jenga, a colored Jenga block. The kids like to build stuff with that, but that one's just kind of always a handy one to have as well. So, uh, And then what else do I got in there? Some uh, Uno... Uno cards, Ghostbusters versions, both of those, the classic version and Answer the Call, and then uh, just some regular playing cards and stuff too. So working on the old game collection, just uh, nice to get together with people once in a while and play a game that's not like too high stakes or too overly involved that you can just get through some on. So looking forward to playing those games when uh, we're allowed to socialize again. I want to get the uh, wooden Jumanji yeah, is that a, tw- that's up at uh I think it's at Target for twenty bucks. Oh, it's at Target for twenty? Okay. I thought I saw it at Walmart. Or maybe too. Walmart, but I'm not sure. But I want it's twenty bucks right now, so I'm like, huh. So I was in just, fi- even if you don't play it, that's a good display piece. Yeah, so I popped into uh, five below looking for that uh Ghostbusters shirt they had and they also had like a little uh you know, Ghostbusters logo. I don't know what you call them, but they've got the little kickstand on them and the like credit card holder on the back. Yeah. With the Ghostbusters logo, and so I was checking for those things, and they didn't have them, but I did see a $5 version of Jumanji up there, and I'm like, how fucking terrible has that got to be to be a $5 version of that game? Right. Yeah, a nice wooden version of that game, you could probably easily make a real high-end one of those and sell it for 50 to 100 bucks for movie collectors, right? Because how awesome would that oh, yeah. be? I'd like to have that on display in the house. Right. Well, they could make a prop replica of it that's not a game version, per se. Hell yeah, that'd be pretty slick. Because then it could light up and have the the shit from the movie, like the effect. 
on the fucking little uh, centerpiece that says words and shit. I would definitely like that. So we've been so doing I didn't a- get any, uh, I didn't get any new toys this week. I just did some adult shopping, bought some kitchen supplies and shit, and more stuff for the new place. <clears throat> I found, like, a fucking seven-piece, which means three of those are lids <laughs> to the pans, but still, seven-piece set for 12 bucks. It's, like, colored light blue, because I'm doing the... The kitchen is going to be all, like, 50s diner colors and shit. Oh, hell yeah, that'll be slick. So, and then, uh... Picked up some more plates that were pastel pink, and uh, but you would be yeah, lying about things. the toys because I bought the NECA Gizmo from Gremlins, the original, because I found it at Target today. True, picked it up for you. I needed another bookcase. Bought a bookcase the other day, and I decided I wanted to go symmetrical, and so I've got one on each side of my TV stand in the living room, and I've got yeah. I. Th- think I'm going to have room for three detovs out by my studio and then one kind of by my front door, I think. So uh, once Ikea has some of those back in stock, I'll eventually get some of those and kind of fill them with some collectibles. Sick. And uh, pretty excited about that. But you know what? For all the talk we've done about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World and buying toys, Jurassic World Legacy Collection getting a t-rex getting the brachiosaur i got a dilophosaurus the other day that spits water not quite as cool as the old vintage kenner one but the paint job's pretty unique on it um we haven't talked much about camp cretaceous which launches on the 18th day of the ninth month of the 2020th year on netflix and uh the trailer was out recently on that so why don't you uh tell me what your reaction to that trailer was I don't know if people are going to like this or if they will like it or uh my initial reaction though <clears throat> as a person I have to explain I feel like a little bit of my Jurassic Park background but I won't go into a whole spiel about it but I really like Jurassic Park Lost World's my second favorite film the third film's probably you know I just I, I'm not a huge fan of Jurassic World as opposed to you know even if you just compare it to the third film I think the third film is still more original. And it's, it has a lot of fucking issues, believe me. But so does Jurassic World. So does Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So I'm kind of like iffy on the mediums. You know, that short, whatever that short's called. Pretty dope. But I'm kind of iffy on it. So I I was iffy going into it before I watched the trailer. I'll just tell you that much. Well... Um, I think it'll be fun, but I'm trying to keep in context the audience that that's for. Yeah, that's so. what I was gonna say. I'm, I'm, I was, I watched it early in the morning. Like, I think I woke up and was just dicking around on my phone in bed. Sometimes that's how I like to wake up. So I was looking at some uh, posts, and I think I saw that one. And I, you know, I go to watch it, and uh, I get to about the point where the trailer does its thing where it stops being like oh look everything's wonderful and yeah of course everything of course it's oohs and ahs and then later it's running and screaming in the trailer just like you know to quote Jeff Goldblum Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I shut the trailer off on the first watch at that point before I even saw any real action I was just kind of like ugh I'll deal with this later I don't even know 
because I wasn't a big fan of the animation style and stuff. But the animation's kind of crazy on it to me, though, because the dinosaurs look fairly close in detail to what you might see in the movie, right? Um, yes. And then the the human characters seem to be stylized. The backgrounds aren't necessarily stylized as much. Um, I mean, I think some of the plants and foliage might be a little bit, and then some of the buildings maybe, but the dinosaurs well, looking you, as close as they do kind of seemed off to me because it's like a mix of two animation styles. Yeah, I think the, the dinosaurs should be stylized a little more for sure to fit it. But However, at the, at the same I like time, that the toys aren't because then I can buy them and they won't clash. Yes, I think <laughs> I think that's the main thing there, right, is that the... Uh, it's easier to repaint some toys or release more toys that fit and just blend in with the uh, the rest of the line there. And right, we all yeah. know that there's a lot of catering to toys and the sales market besides just the the programming, the content itself. Right. So you're looking at Jurassic World that you know you're you're hitting. Netflix is your market, right? So that's included in your Netflix costs. So to recoup the cost on that, you know, some of that's going to be for merchandise sales and, and a big release of that. Like, I think we both noticed a lot of the other Jurassic World toys that have been out are easier to find again. Like the Brachiosaurus is like all over Targets again. And I saw for, three of them today at mine. So. Yeah, and I, I saw several at the one I went into. And so it just seems like that and then the big Indominus Rex and then they got that gigantic Indominus Rex that's out now too, right? And yeah. they're not all even updated on the packaging branding like the T-Rex that I bought was but that T-Rex is basically a repaint of uh, a prior release and you got the prior release version of that, so um, yeah, I think there's a couple releases of the T-Rex like recently, so yeah. I think there's one that has another added feature, something like if it's you stomp Mine's it, not just a repaint does yours have the the stomping effect, like the button on his foot? It has that, but it has something... It doesn't shake, I think, like yours. Okay, yeah, so mine doesn't have the stomping feature, so, like, when you'd stomp it on the ground, it would, you know, kind of make that earth-shattering sound. But mine, yeah, you know, that. mine shakes it like a dog that's got, like, a, a dog or a cat or something that's trying to snap the neck of the prey. Like a dog shitting razor blades? Yeah, I mean, Alkaline Trio, reference them whenever you can. Yeah, I had to just throw that in there for uh, the random one person who listens, you know. Maybe Edgar, Edgar will get that. There you go. Edgar, that one's for you. Well, on I'm house. sure there's probably a few people that know the Alkaline Trio. Just going to go yeah. out on the limb there. I mean, I mean, our, in our listenership. Yeah. If so you know I'll the Alkaline Trio, leave us a comment. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us your favorite Alkaline Trio song. So, uh, Camp Cretaceous, yeah. The trailer, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I want to be able to watch it with my kids. Like, now that I'm yeah. getting to spend more time with them and stuff and having them over, it's it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, as a parent, you'd always see parents forcing what they like onto their kids. And mm. I will say, I got my kids some Ghostbusters toys, you know, a f fair amount of those, and, like, some of the cheaper collectibles and things, you know, I just let them play with, like, I don't really care. Um, yeah, but I never even told Pete if there was a TV show or a movie or anything about it, and he asked to watch Ghostbusters. So we've we've started watching some real Ghostbusters episodes. So 
he uh, had my box set and opened it up and like had every, you know, cover on there was like looking through it. And so um, he was pretty excited about that. Wants a proton pack for himself and wants a jumpsuit. And Nate doesn't want one yet, so we'll see. Um, but it was it was just pretty cool to kind of get that experience. So um, I'm hoping Camp Cretaceous is something I can watch with him that's not like too scary for him right now. Like, Pete's at yeah. that age where he likes to be scared a little bit, right? There's a, a few things in, like, real Ghostbusters I could tell. He was like, ooh, what's this? And then kind of getting a little nervous on it. But his brother, on the other hand, was, like, kind of watching from afar. Uh, still a little nervous about it. But, you know, for their age, it's kind of like, oh, okay. But, I mean, yeah. I was watching real Ghostbusters at three, I would say. I mean, I think there's a photo of me when I'm, like, three and a half getting uh, the Ecto-1 for Christmas. So, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. Or hell, that might might have only been two and a half when I got that. So yeah, I mean, being pretty little. So, um, <clears throat> but I I feel like shows are a little bit more sensitive to that nowadays than they used to be. Because there's stuff yeah. you don't even think about, like even you know, say like something like SpongeBob. It's got a little bit more. There's some intense scenes in there that you're just like, you don't think much they about, have... but kids get like weirded out by some of that stuff. So it's SpongeBob is definitely like the next generation's Ren and Stimpy almost because it has those moments of like fucking weird, bizarre shit. Yes, and, I would uh, say so. Yeah, like those really detailed drawings where all of a sudden zooms in and it's a fucking a fucking wonderful artwork of the character. You know that does fucking crazy looking. Yeah, and it's, like, highly detailed and, like, a, yeah. a way it, a extra shadowing and just more depth to the drawing, I guess you'd say. Yeah. If I ever <laughs> got any... It makes me want to get some artwork of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some of the really detailed shit. But So, um, as we look at 2020, I'm excited for Camp Cretaceous, more or less just because it's new content. It's one thing that's guaranteed for this year, besides getting to Mandalorian Season 2 this fall as well. Um, we get Bill and Ted three in a couple hell, of weeks. Yeah. yeah. That's coming right up. And I think that's going to be just an amazing movie. I mean, for me, that's, that's going to have to tie me over until next year, I think, which I'm okay with. I'm, I'm excited about tenant too. I mean, yeah, no one's a good filmmaker, but just for that, f something fun and joyous that I need right now, I really think Bill and Ted's going to be able to capture that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's high on the priority list. Still haven't gotten an update on my Amazon when my, uh, Bill and Ted book's going to ship, but you know, they originally said September 1st and then I got another update saying we don't know when it's going to ship and there's some people that already have it. So no idea what the hell's going on with that, but I do want to add that to the collection. So, uh, Wild at Heart had its anniversary, uh, today, which is Monday. Yeah, how uh, old is it? The 17th. Oh, fuck, I don't even remember. What is it, 20... What year is that movie? 90? Maybe 90? 91? 92? No. It was right after Twin Peaks? I think? Fuck me, I didn't even write that down. I was already busy drinking, but... Um, yeah, if you've never seen that movie, it's a David Lynch movie. David Lynch, who did Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, lots of other stuff, Inland Empire, Lost Highway. I am a big David Lynch fan. 
This is a pretty weird one, um, often compared to Wizard of Oz. It has Nicolas Cage wearing a snakeskin jacket, and he describes it as, uh, it gives him his individuality. It's a symbol of my individuality and shit, he describes it as. And, uh, it also has Laura Dern, and I was very shocked watching this the first time because it shows her topless a lot. And I was just kind of like, whoa, that's just weird to see Laura Dern topless like three years, two years before Jurassic Park. <laughs> Fucking weird. Uh, yeah, I'm sure but, that uh, changed your perspective on her a little bit. Well, yeah, she's one of those people that, like Sigourney Weaver, I wasn't attracted to in my teens when I would watch movies. But now you watch them and you're like, oh, yeah, she's pretty, pretty attractive. See, for me, Sigourney Weaver's still a little strange, and I know some people absolutely love her, like, love her to death, like, that's a huge crush of theirs, but for me, like, I watched Ghostbusters at such a young age, I never, like, really thought of her that way, and then re-watching them recently, especially on the big screen a couple of times this year, I'm like, I've seen some scenes where her, I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, okay, I get what they're saying now, but for me, it's just, like, she was I, Well, just I think in Ghostbusters, so it's her much hair a, that I don't like. Yeah, but she's so but, much a, just of a character, but yeah, there's a few scenes where you're like, oh, okay, I could really see that. It's all about her and Alien. Yeah, there's a lot of people that really love her and Alien, right? It's kind of titillating, I guess, is what you could say for her, some of her scenes in Alien there, so. I mean, so, I guess um, if you saw Alien and then saw Ghostbusters and some of those other things, yeah, you'd be like, oh, yeah. But. Lego Star Wars has a new special coming out. Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, hopefully this is a remake of the Star Wars Holiday Special just done in Legos. The picture that I saw for the article was a picture, and I don't know how much Lego Star Wars movies they have or haven't done, or if they've done, you know, like short movies and stuff like for online content or anything like that. I don't know what they have or haven't done. But the picture had like Rey, I think, and Finn in it. So I think it'd be more of a new one. For the newer series, but have you ever was, seen the original? Yes, I have. It's fucking terrible. So I will say, um, Disney put it up. Take for some free. acid and watch that. Disney put that up for free on YouTube um, before the Last Jedi came out. I want to say uh, yeah. right after my divorce. I want to say so. I recall watching part of it not being able to get through it but then i i sought it out and then watched it again before rise of skywalker i made myself sit down and watch it <laughs> in preparation for rise of skywalker you're like i gotta get the fucking continuity i gotta get the full story yeah i was like i don't want to go into this with palpatine coming back and having missed anything no you know no rocks unturned right and then i really just wanted to see an animated version of boba fett because you know that's his first appearances in there yeah so that sounds pretty awesome. Hey, but speaking of Legos, rumor is that they're coming out with another version of the Ecto-1. May possibly re-release the other version that we've already seen. But I guess they're going to do a higher-end version, which they do for some something. So it'll actually look more like the actual Cadillac. It'll have some more curved pieces and, and things of that mm. nature. So rumor is, I, you know, I haven't seen any photos of or anything of that, but... Um, I guess there's speculation that it would include the gunner seat if it's obviously a tie-in it's, for Afterlife. I still don't even... I, st- I don't even know if I care. Just because it's Lego. Lego's I found just the ca- one 
I found the one Lego thing I have, and it's the Lego DeLorean set they did a couple of years back. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I'll keep it just because I already have it, and it's Back to the Future. But I will never seek out more Lego shit. I'm just, you know, I'm not opposed to anyone liking it. You can like it all you want, just like you can like pop figures. I don't like them for the same reason. I just like things that look the way they look. Yeah, that's my main thing, too. Like, I love Legos for just building your own stuff and creating your own things. Like yeah, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. it's a great tool for that. But yeah, for the all the sets you got to pay for, like four or five hundred dollars for a firehouse, you're like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like for four or five hundred dollars, I could get something really high end 3D printed, or buy a 3D printer and print something that's more accurate and in scale with my other figures I have. So, uh, I mean, I guess it's the convenience of it. And if you're a Lego fan, I, I get the appeal, right? But it's just not a thing I ever spent a lot of time and money on as a kid. And even as a kid, when I had money, like I'd go look at the cost of Legos even back then and be like, no, I just go back to the action figure aisle because the bang for the buck, man, I was like, I'm not paying this for something that is just generic with a little fate, you know, pay, I can't even talk, but a a face painted to look like something just super generic, right? So, yeah, not my thing, but I'm sure some people will love it. And that segues us to... More Ghostbusters Wait, merch. Wait, you do this. Uh-oh. Oh, it does? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, more Ghostbusters merch. Because September's coming this. up. We're almost to September, so the Hasbro line of Tully's Terrible Night should be up for sale, and then the Spangler Wand should be coming out soon. Now, Craig from Yes Have Some teased something in the uh, group therapy, Yes Have Some group therapy earlier that do people think that's still coming in September? And I've seen it, you know, I mean, I just saw that there was another review video released. Um, The first review video I watched was based out of Hong Kong, but there's no spoilers on this one, right? It's pretty much everything we know about it we learned at Toy Fair, so there's nothing to spoil there. So, um, yeah. I am excited about that just to get something new to tie us over for a while. Uh, pretty excited about that. And then. Plus, that's like one of the first big things that's re- tied into the new movie, essentially, that we'll be getting. Our yeah, it's, on. it's tied into the movie, but then you also see basically. So I guess uh, from what I've heard from the trailers, and, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen the trailers, because I know there's a few people out there who are like, I don't want to go in knowing anything. So hold your breath and come back here in a few minutes. Um, don't hold your breath. That's a bad idea, especially with COVID. If you have COVID and you're holding your breath, that's ignorant. So don't do that, please. Um, that, you know, the shotgun grips they have on the uh, wands, I've noticed one for sure when I saw it on the big screen that the gunner seat wand that they use in the trailer that Phoebe uses has a shotgun grip on it. And then the pack that they use later on, um, that you see in the uh, international version of the trailer has that same shotgun style grip on it. But somebody said they're two different shotgun grips. I'm not a gun fanatic, so I'll take your word on that. But, yeah, uh, I have no fucking clue. But, you know, the fact... So we already kind of know that there's some, you know, there's some differences and things there that have changed over time. So I'm not too uh, surprised by that by any means. Yeah. Well... I'm going to light this blunt up. 
Okay, so here. while you're lighting that blunt up, I've got something I need to complain about. More than Does one that thing. Mean... More than one thing, so we won't change subjects yet. So and this we don't whole... need it. You don't I... need music for this? I don't need music for this. Okay, so the oh, yeah, USPS okay. bullshit right now is fucking infuriating. So yeah. I'm still waiting on my Dennis Nedry in Barbasol can. So I moved recently, right? I've talked a lot about that. So I get a shipment notification. Hey, your item was delivered. Cool. I go check the tracking, and it says, your item was delivered to my old address, and then it says, but it was forwarded. Okay, cool. So I leave it alone for a few days. It's been like a week since then, and I check, and I'm like, where the hell is this at? Like, I moved a couple of miles. I think I moved like three miles from like where I was total or something. Nothing, nothing too far. It's in fucking Denver. How the fuck do you send something from, like, the Kansas City, Missouri area back to Denver to forward the address? Like, you want to talk about why this shit's going on and, like, you can get into the politics of it all, but I'm just sick of all the shit that I bought forwarding or not forwarding. Like, the uh, Icon Heroes Ghostbusters pin says it was delivered to my old address, yet I have forwarding on my mail going on. So I need to hit up my old roommate and see if he's got that sitting over there. If not, I need to figure out where the hell it's at because it was not delivered to my new address and it did not say forwarded like a few other things that have been forwarded. So where that is, no idea right now. So fuck the Cheeto for trying to make an in-person voting bullshit by trying to fuck with the USPS and appointing his friend on there. And yeah. that's that's all I'll get into politics on there. I don't want to piss too many people off with that, right? There's a time and a place. I'm not going to change your opinion on that, but I think it's pretty fucking shitty to jack with the post office like that. There's one, Yeah, po- difference of politics is one thing, though. Like, you know, Mitt Romney versus whoever else Biden is one thing. You know, Trump is a fucking entirely different beast. And I like to refer him as uh, a used condom that's been rolled in Cheeto dust with a little bit of hair like that you, you know, like a clump of hair on the floor. That's what it looks like. Or, yeah, like that clump of hair that, like, when you're doing laundry, like, you pull out some laundry in there and you find, like, a clump of hair on stuff that just kind of, like, compiled on itself. And you're just like, yeah, like, this may just come like out of the, the washer. It's just gross. Cleaning your vacuum out, you know, like there's a chunk of hair clogged in the thing. Thinking like that, you know. Really yeah, it's fucking nasty. But uh, enough about that. I did, uh, before we move on, I uh, did get a uh, leg hose prop in uh, for my jumpsuit. So I got that in, and I'm going to sew it on there. I got it in from uh, Eugenius Props from Mexico, so thank you. I appreciate it took a while to get here because of all the shipping shit going on but about a month and a half but uh not like i was fucking dressing up every day or anything yeah that's pretty slick at least you'll have it i ordered a a belt gizmo adapter from him just recently so i'm sure it'll be just a little while before it comes in so this is sort of news but i think we're gonna have to drop in some music right here Lash out, irrationally. Lash out, irrationally. Yeah. 
So, um, well, we were on the phone today. I noticed Justin, he must have, like, uh, been also reading on his phone on a break at work or something while we were chatting on the phone. I was chatting about something at Walmart or Target. I can't remember. I was doing some home shopping today. And, uh, yeah, you caught me on my lunch break. This motherfucker gets triggered all of a sudden. Yeah, and it's usually you that gets triggered. And I'm just like, I just feel like rage come over me. And it wasn't even like a fake news resource. It was being reported by Variety that... Yeah, I've seen it everywhere. A John Hughes classic, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, is in works to be rebooted starring Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Now, I've talked about my opinion on reboots before. And I'm going to go back into it again right now, because that fucking infuriated me. Now, that being said, I will give you this up front. I do believe that Hollywood's been whitewashed for a very long time, right? You know, they just go with what's easy to do. We do need more diverse characters that are representative of the people of the world, the people of the United States, just have a mixed ensemble cast, right? I get that, right? We need to do that. But to just remake a movie for no fucking reason is asinine. First of all, you're going to remake a John Hughes movie. Fuck right off with that. Second of all, you're going to change it to modern times. No, you don't need to remake that. Did anyone ask for a remake of that? No. Hey, remember that time Kevin Hart tried to fucking reboot The Great Outdoors and that didn't fucking work because he's an asspipe? And I feel bad for him, right? You know, he had his wreck or whatever else. And he is he is pretty funny, right? I I enjoy him in the Jumanji movies. Um, See, I will disagree with you 100% on that statement because I absolutely hate Kevin Hart and everything, and that's what makes me hate this more than any other aspect of it. I can get past Will Smith being in it easily. I don't hate Will Smith. The fact that they're making it is pretty infuriating, but Kevin Hart being in it is the worst part to me because... But here's uh, he just is a cringy person to me. And I was about to say, the Jumanji films, y- you have kids and, uh, you know, you're less cynical than me about film. But <clears throat> I can't, only in the last year have I been able to watch anything with a rock in it without just being like, what the fuck is this guy doing in movies? Get this fucking asshole out of everything. Jack Black? Everything he's made after fucking like 2000 was fucking basically awful. I don't even like Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. I just, I'm not even about that. It's just, Nacho Libre is bullshit. Yeah, the last, uh, these Jack are my opinions, but, Be like, Kind Rewind Jumanji, was the last Jack Black movie that I really liked. Like, love. Jumanji almost had me going when they're like, Danny DeVito and Donald Glover are done. <laughs> Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah. Are in this, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, but also, no, because if you could list a movie that would be the worst movie ever, it would, to me, probably star Jack Black, The Rock, and fucking Kevin Hart. So I was like, no, no, sir. But here's what triggers me, though, and Hollywood keeps doing this because they're fucking assholes. They just want brand recognition, right? And yeah, to me, some of this ties back to, like, the Aunt Jemima, the Uncle Ben's Rice, like, renaming things, right? There's a time and a place to rename things because culturally we have advanced, but the hesitation or excuses is that, well, people know that brand and love it. 
And then you see Hollywood's take on, hey, people know that brand and love it, so they're so fucking gung-ho on reusing movie titles and directly ripping off a watered-down, fucking modernized version of good movies that don't need to be done. You know what? Well, they, they call they call it sequelitis. Some they used to. You know, now it's it's all about a lot of reboots and legacy sequels and like sequels to. I mean, they've been doing this really my whole life since the '90s. They were always remakes coming out that people were, and I remember everybody complaining about them. Yes, the Planet of the Apes remake that came out in 2001. You know that Tim Burton did. Yeah, I thought it was an okay movie. I haven't watched it in 30 years, or, you know, 20 years. But uh, but the thing is. Do whatever the fuck you want. Write whatever the story you want to write, and let the fucking movie critics and audience compare it to the source material. Don't give it the same fucking title. The only yeah. reason they're using the same title is to have an immediate cash grab on it, to have an immediate headline. Yeah. They don't do it because they're like, hey, I've got this great idea, right? Don't do that, right? Even like the Vacation reboot they did, like that movie's fucking atrocious. Like, Ed Helms, man, like, sorry... He was okay in the first Hangover. He was okay on The Office. But what the fuck was that hot pile of garbage? You didn't yeah, need to that do that. One... They ruined, you know, like that was a classic example of like a reboot sequel. Don't do that, right? You know what else is basically a reboot sequel of Vacation? The movie RV with Robin Williams. But here's what they did right. They didn't fucking title it Vacation or try to title it something the same thing. They took a similar premise, a premise we all know and we're all comfortable with, and fucking just did what they wanted with it. And then I could compare and contrast, like, hey, here's things that's kind of similar to that movie. Maybe that's why I like this movie, because I like the scenarios they're in. But they didn't need to fucking reuse the name because of some brand recognition or the fact that they fucking paid a trademark fee on it and they still want to get the most out of their fucking trademark fees that they got to renew. Or they want to keep their trademark up to date so then they go in and renew it. Or they want to keep their copyright up to date so loopholes around that or to keep releasing content in there so they can maintain the copyright on all that. It's fucking. Right. I, I, it's a bunch of silly bullshit, is what it is. That's a thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the sequels for a minute. So you know, when I heard they're making a second Jumanji, that premise didn't immediately piss me off because I like Jumanji and I want more of things I like. But you know, when Jason Reitman talks about how he's doing Ghostbusters and he's like, you know, I never wanted to do it, but then you know, I just. I had that story. I saw that little girl with a proton pack, and he tells that story about that, you know, and he's like, and then I, you know, I had to do it. That's the only reason these things should be done, is when there's a story to fucking tell. Well, if you have a story to tell, I get it, right? And the Jumanji thing, I get, you know, like, okay, with modern times, it could have been that. You know, they kind of try to make it, they don't directly say it's a reboot, because there's some nods to the first movie in the first one there, but... For something like planes, trains, and automobiles, everyone's traveled for the holidays. Everyone's gone through that kind of headache, right? So why do you need to use that title when you can title it something else, rip that story off, which happens, right? Deep Impact, Armageddon, anyone, they basically rebooted the movie at the same fucking time. I would rather have more movies competing for the same style like summer tentpole blockbuster film than I would a shitty reboot 
at an uncalled for time. You know, like in a hundred years from now or like past our lifetime, if they wanted to redo that, okay, whatever. But there's a reason no one's been like, you know what we need to do? We need to reboot the Wizard of Oz beat by beat. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, uh, just kind of like, over it. yeah, I'm just kind of sick of the whole fucking Hollywood. Like, let's reboot everything. Do whatever you want. I don't care if you want to fucking do a shot for shot remake of something. Just call it something else and do what you want. Or you just got to get to the point where it's almost like Godzilla movies where there's just so many that there's no, like, you almost have to emotionally disconnect from some of those because you're just like, whatever, ultimately I just like the character of Godzilla and I want to see what he's going to do and how they interact with that. And as technology for filmmaking has improved, they've been able to tell different stories or updated stories, but I don't think they've ever just... Besides the Americanized Matthew Roderick movie, I don't think they've ever just been like, you know what, let's completely remake Godzilla beat for beat about, you know, here's the first one, here's the second one, here's the third one. Like, kind of come up with those ideas. And it doesn't feel like that, because there's so many of them there. Like, it's, I think it's hard to be pissed at a series like that or a franchise like that. So it's well, yeah, Godzilla makes sense for him to keep coming back and shit. I don't know. And there's but even th- this shit. There's even things that make sense though. Like okay, so when we look at the X Men franchise, the X Men franchise has a lot, a lot in there, right? It's kind of a fucked up film history because a lot of them are not great. Yep. And there's I still will watch them though. Yeah, you'll still <sighs> watch them. But at the same time, like, I am not pissed about them recasting those characters and bringing them into the MCU. Because I know that's the next phase of that story, and they're not going to try to retell the same style stories they did as, you know, we're not going to see an X-Men that's compared to the original Brian Singer movie and, and see what that looks like in the MCU. It's going to be it's doing its own thing because there's enough source material in the comics that there's a lot of leeway and how do you modernize it and how do you bring it into something as successful as the MCU? I'm not even upset about that, right? Because to me, that makes sense. If you have a good way to do things and grow and expand your stories, it's fine. But when you're just like, hey, I'm going to take this one-off movie and I'm going to remake it with other people because like, oh, we need to do it. It's fucking pointless. It's a cash grab. But the thing is, like, people in general that know the original you're either going to be like, oh, don't really want to see it, or people are going to go and watch the original and then go see this new one and be like, well, what the fuck? Why did you even call it that? Because aside from two people traveling to get there, you don't have the same character names or the same character development. So it's fucking pointless. Yep. I think we should uh, shut the door on that one because that one's just... Yeah, I'm angry after that. I need to move on. I'm just... Yeah, I'm just out of words to say about it. I'm just like, get no. Pretend it's not happening. If you want to know how I felt, imagine, and everyone's been there, but imagine running out of toilet paper and not knowing if there's another roll nearby. Like that moment of panic you have, you're like, what the fuck? This could, yeah. this could get really bad, or things may turn out okay. <clears throat> but inherently... That looks like hot dumpster fire of garbage. 
Oh, let's uh, move on. <clears throat> we now return to the real Ghostbusters. Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Bill Murray's the funniest man on the planet. Episode by episode. So, uh, did you get the episode title of this one? I did. The Jersey Devil Made Me Do It. Nice. We're on episode There's 15 a, uh, of Extreme Ghostbusters. There's an X-Files episode about the Jersey Devil also. Nice. That's another show I'd like to get back into and rewatch. A while back, I rewatched a lot of uh, season one when I had yeah. Amazon Prime for a while because it was streaming on there, but I never got all the way through it. Just other obligations. There's a lot of X-Files to watch and... Uh, that's well, there's my... holiday specials and shit. I'm sure we're going to cover, though. Hell so. yeah. Like, some of my favorites of that, though, are the Monster of the Week, where, like, you don't have to be keeping up with the whole main story. So, I do like that You about can find that a list of all the main story episodes, too, though, if you want to skip the Monster of the Weeks. Oh, and just kind of catch those just as to, like, time allows. Yeah. Get the alien plot. That's a good call. But I really like the episodes with the lone gunman in them. So, do you ever, uh, before we get too deep into this episode, you ever like realize like how much of a fucking nerd you used to be, and then you know you dr- you tried to hide it and then you just fucking embraced it. So I guess that's kind of like my whole upbringing was like you know trying to be cool but still being fucking super nerdy. And you're going oh okay, but I had the uh, book they made for like season one of the X Files that was basically the companion told you about all the episodes and what happened in them. So yeah, I had that, Sick. but I have no idea where it went. So this episode, oh man, I'm yawning all over the place. This is fucking hilarious. So yeah, they they start driving to, they're driving to Atlantic City is what they say. So, uh, and then you find out they're basically... Oh, they're going to EctoCon. Yeah, EctoCon, which is funny because cons are such a bigger thing now than they ever were back then. So, yeah, but they're in Roland's car. And you start hearing, like, all these, like, half-assed dinosaur sounds. You're like, oh, are those, like, wannabe Jurassic Park sounds? Or is that stuff from Godzilla? Like, you know, you can always kind of tell when they're, like, trying to mimic something else or try to do that, and and some of those ghost sounds on there are like that. Um, Yeah, I've definitely heard those sounds reused in other media before, too. Yeah, it was, like, very, very familiar. You're like, oh, okay. So, like, anytime, like, there's an angry demon dragon phoenix whatever that might be like anything it's like almost even bird-like or with wings like almost that kind of nonsense you know what i'm saying yeah i do yeah so uh rips the roof right off that motherfucker's car yeah that fucking sucks yeah i'm like well i guess if you want a piece of insurance yep and uh they're like what the hell is this they figure it out and then they escape it you know, and of course, before they do that, of course, you get to the butt rock opening. I always take a note, like, butt rock opening. Because yeah. I'm like, that opening, if you just take the instrumentation of it, isn't terrible. But it's the singing style on it. It's so bad. The singing on that, like, yeah. ruins it for me. And, like, I remember as a kid being like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then, you know, that was before I really had a lot of taste in music. And hearing that now is so fucking cringeworthy. 
Yeah. But I do like the I do like the animation sequence for the opening though. So I'm conflicted every time I watch it. Yeah, true, true, true. This um this episode is so far maybe my least favorite. And it's because they're not really ghost busting in it. They don't have proton packs and shit because they're on their trip. So I get what they're trying to do with the episode, but yeah, like to me this is one that like watching it this time I took notes on it and I appreciated it a lot more than I did in the past. But like the last time or two that I watched this, I just like, oh, this episode's kind of like, yuck, meh. Uh, yeah, I only took a few notes. I was in and out while watching it. Unfortunately, I couldn't keep myself on this one. I was like, oh, that's a bummer that usually doesn't happen. I guess my favorite thing on there is it the thing that has potential to it that they could have explored more or explored more in Ghostbusters media like elsewhere like sand comics or things like that or even how this the premise of Extreme Ghostbusters started right where they break into this like ancient um you know basically jail of ghosts and like let them out and that's yeah. kind of the same concept here of like using natural things in the world you know in this case the iron ore there in what do they say? What was that? Oh, uh, I think it was. I'm trying to think of the city. Oh, Hanover is when this takes place because it's for the 200th uh, anniversary of the city, Hanover. But yeah, so they're trying to, you know, do this whole thing with the forge and and trying to, like, build the local folklore for it, which I appreciate what they're doing, but at the same time, like, taking everything out of the episode was kind of weird. You know, like, hey, we're going to, you know, they don't have any of their tools. You know, we're going to call Janine and Egon for backup. And, they, you know, they yeah. kind of give them some advice over, you know, a cell phone at the time. So uh, th- there's there's some decent moments in it. Like, it's not a great episode by any means. It's kind of like, eh. I did like the, uh, my favorite character in the whole episode, though, was the old guy that worked at the museum out there. You know, he had some good lines, kind of seemed to know what was going on, and was the only one that really believed him. So, Yeah, he was interesting. I uh, took note that he, they, the creature, the devil, was defeated with the fucking cannonball the first time to the gut. Yeah, and I, like I saw that because they say the, you know, Eduardo makes a joke about it. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a hole. He's like, or no, it was Garrett that made a joke about it. He's like, I could shoot a basketball through that hole. And then you find out that, you know, that stuff was taken out of there and, you know, they find ways to hurt it. And so they're using like locally forged metal, like horseshoes and things that they keep showing is animated on there. And then, of course, the locals get pissed. You see the local cop a number of times. He's like, oh, I got to go alert the town. Goes into town. And next thing you know, like the Ghostbusters are enemy number one. But it makes sense because... uh Roland has that fucking sword that's supposedly the legit sword that's actually forged out of that thing's heart, which is what defeated it in the first place. I think why they say Commodore is what they called the guy. Oh, yeah, something like that. So, yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, there's some moments in there and, like, throwing Garrett into, like, an old-fashioned, like, wheelchair after his wheelchair gets destroyed was, like... felt unnecessary like that just seemed like a waste of a couple of seconds of the cart you know the show like i felt like there's yeah we could have gotten a better idea of like what the locals say 
because it seems like For the sure. locals are aware of the Jersey Devil there. Like, he comes back from time to time, but he's just not very powerful. So, like, that was the thing that, like, on me, it was like, yeah, you could have given us a little more context around has he been seen in the 200 years since he was defeated or not? That, to me, would have been right. more interesting than, like, hey, we're going to throw Garrett in this old-fashioned, like, wicker-looking wheelchair. And you're like, nobody gives a fuck about that. Like, leave Garrett alone. <laughs> like, quit fucking picking on Garrett, you bunch of wankers. Right. Oh, yeah, so I don't really have much more to say about this episode. It's, uh, like I said, it wasn't one of the great ones for me. Yeah, the only thing I thought was kind of interesting was when they're going to sacrifice the Ghostbusters, uh, you know, the sheriff yeah. or the cop or whatever, uh, and the townspeople, like, sacrifice them. And they don't even really talk about it a lot. They ask the historian, and he's like, well, these are just kind of stories. But everything else he said has been accurate. You're like, I don't know why they censored themselves there, right? You know, it felt like they could have been like, yeah, well, we had to sacrifice people to get them with the cannon last time, too. They yeah. don't go so far as to mention that though so it's kind of a letdown as far as the episodes go this one has like low rewatchability for me like uh yeah like if i don't see that one again i'm not gonna be like oh i'm not gonna lose any sleep over it i think i've seen this four or five times in my life and i'm like that's a lot for this episode i think i'm I think i'm closing the books on this one yeah um I was just picturing in my head the end, the ending of every episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where they pour the fire out, the water out on the fire. Yep, that's what All I right, just did to this here. episode because my notes on this one, like you said, they're very limited. They're like not even a page long. You know, those are a few things on there to mention, but even the jokes and stuff in the episode aren't that great. Like, there's just like no jokes that I thought were so funny I needed to write down. There wasn't a lot of references to other things, so yeah, yeah. Watch it if you haven't seen it, just to say you've seen it, just to be a completist, but don't go out of your way for it if you've already watched a bunch. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a, That sums it up, basically, for that one. Uh-huh. But, uh, Ghostbusters also used to have a, uh, not a ride, but an attraction. An attraction? Yes, I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with a segue here, but I I smoked that blunt and I'm been drinking here, so I'm having you, a hard time with the words and you, shit. You don't need a, <laughs> you don't need a segue, son. An attraction. So like some people think Dana's attractive. Some people think that a event or a ride <laughs> at a no. park is an attraction. Yes, I'm saying are... an, a park attraction at Universal Studios that Ghostbusters used to be a part of. So what if someone's sexual orientation is they're attracted to roller coasters? What's that called? Uh, there's a term for it. Um, I think it's people who get paychecks from TLC. Probably so. Okay, but moving on, because that segment didn't no, work. No, I've watched... Have you watched those videos of the people... Oh, the weird fetishists on TLC? Yeah. Yeah, who fuck roller... There's literally a woman who's into roller coasters and rides and shit. She lays under it and, like, fingers the grease holes of it and is, like, smells it, and you're like, ugh. 
That's really weird. I feel dirty watching <laughs> this now. I'm like, I don't like this. I think there's also some um, people that enjoy that little slingshot thing. You know, you ever seen any of those videos? Oh, yeah. The theme park slingshots? Yeah, we won't talk about that anymore, but we'll move on because that alone right there is funnier than anything you may have ever seen or as mysterious as anything you'll ever know if you have never seen so uh, we're doing seen uh, those. We're so, doing our top five. 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 I, I came up with the title for this, which is the top five extinct theme park rides. Or attractions or rides. Sorry, it's, rides. it's kind of a ride. Yeah, exactly. I just called it rides. It obviously is attractions included, but, you know, I'm trying to be slick here, have a good title here, not be, be like... slick. Extinct theme park rides, uh, specifically from 1981 to 1989... Calm down, Ben Stein. I'm fucking trying to stay awake over here. Voodoo economics. <laughs> voodoo glow skulls, not voodoo economics. Anybody have any idea what President Reagan called this? <laughs> In 1980? Anyway, uh... Who's going first? Well, who's, I'll, who's I'll, uh, I'll have you go first. first. Uh, what's your number five? Number five... Number five is alive. Johnny Five uh, is alive. Here's where I drew the line. Number five. There's a line here, and it is in between two. I cheated. I put two for my number five, because neither of them are a ride, but they are attractions. Oh, okay. But they aren't. They aren't. Explain yourself. Um... I tried to go with things that I had ridden for mine because I had ridden a lot of them. So I'll just tell you right off the bat, the Ghostbusters attraction is not on my list. I never got to experience it. Yeah, that in was in any a, form or fashion. That was just basically a theater show anyhow. Yeah. Which is basically my number 5 is two theater shows, T2 Battle Across Time and Honey I Shrunk the Audience. Huh. You could you could put either or in these number five spot, but both of those were uh, very enjoyable. Did you, you you did Honey I Shrunk the Audience right? I did. I can't tell you where, but I have a two part to that as well. That's Disney World. Yes, I'm aware. And uh, T two, uh, Battle Across Time, obviously Universal. I I think I did that twice before. That was taken out. And that was always fun. So I was an asshole. I wish I had cherished it more. And all the times you guys went to Universal Studios, I never went. I was either too old or at one point in time I was like, as a teenager, I was embarrassed enough. Like, I don't want to fucking go on a family trip with you guys. Let me stay home and watch the dogs. I'll stay at Grandpa's house or stay here. And so I I did that. You missed all the great Universal rides. I did. But I don't know if that was guaranteed to me on there when I started refusing to go. So I missed out on a right. lot. I missed out on a lot. I went to Disney World in 1997 for the second time. 
96, wasn't it? Oh, it was 97, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was 97 because as I was uh, verifying a few dates on, on, on a few rides just to fact check myself, I realized we were out there when the uh, Cinderella's Castle was all done up Same. like uh, the fucking birthday cake. Yeah, exactly. For the 25th anniversary of the park. Because I remember I had some postcards and shit, you know, of stuff I bought, and, like, that was one of the postcards I bought. I have no fucking clue where any of that is now, but I remember I had that and some other random shit from there, so. I did find a Walt Disney World, uh, <clears throat> like, 1984 license plate in the garage today that I'm keeping. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, it yeah. It retro and fucking sick as hell. I think, yeah, I think Mom got one of those. Well, she had two of them. I think she had one from the 25th anniversary of Disney World. Which is when we went in 97, so that turned 25 then. And then uh, the other one, I don't know if that's when we went the... F- well, if it's from 84? No, the 20th... Yeah, it's from 84. It's not the 25th, because the 25th anniversary one is uh, was smashed in a car wreck years ago. Okay, so I don't know where the 84 one came from, because I went when I was a little kid. Like four or five, because Mom and Dad always joked about how they almost got... I almost got lost going on the... Uh, on the... Monorail... And they're like, yeah, we almost lost yeah. you getting on the monorail. And you're like, okay, well, why don't you fucking just tell me about how you almost abandoned me? That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Shit. You haven't even told me your number five yet. Oh, yeah. My number five is uh, the Zambezi Zinger here at Worlds of Fun. And uh, Worlds of Fun's a locally uh, owned theme park here in the Kansas City metro area. It's pretty popular. Um, there's no Six Flags nearby, so they're kind of in spot of a Six Flags here. They're owned by Cedar Point now. I think they got bought out in like the last decade or whatever. Um, but the Zambezi Zinger was a uh, roller coaster that had no seat belts, no lap bars or anything like that. And you could fit like two people per seat and like you just leaned in with someone behind you. So I remember riding with like uh, dad or like, you know, if we had cousins or somebody just old enough to help like ride with me on that. And... It was a badass ride. It's kind of over by where the Prowler is at now, which is a wooden coaster. And I missed that ride. It was, a, it was an awesome ride, but I love how some of those things go and die, and they take on their own folklore, right? So this ride has supposedly been relocated to someplace in South America where there's, like, no ride regulations, you know, and, and things like that. And Dang. You know, supposedly that's been debunked, but, you know, people say, like, there's photos here, like, in South America of, like, this old abandoned ride that got taken apart and removed from Worlds of Fun. Um, So, yeah, that's my number five, because I have fond memories of that one, and it's gone. Well. Number four for you, sir. My number four is a ride from Disney. uh, The Great Movie Ride. This one had a bunch of different movies in it. Had, uh, you know, it was like a slow car moving through different scenes with animatronics. And then they also had a character, always like an actor, who would always jump on the train and hijack it from the tour guide. Oh, yep. Yeah, I, it, I recall that. It went through, you know, Singing in the Rain, Wizard of Oz, <clears throat> Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, Aliens was the one I remember the most. Maybe even just been Alien, I don't remember for sure, but... Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that was a good one. 
Yeah, so that was that was taken out pretty recently, actually. But that one always has a good spot in my heart because I'm not a big roller coaster person, so I'm always just about the chill shit that's just cool shit to look at. I fucking love roller coasters. I enjoy the shit out of them. But uh, yeah, I just I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah, it's because we fucking tortured you as a child. So fun fact: if you want to know why Alec doesn't like roller coasters, it's because my dad. And there's probably a lot of stories of things that are fucked up in our life, we could say, from situations. But So picture this. The year is 1997. I think I'm 12 or 13, so what were you? Five or six? Mm-hmm. Six. Six. So you were six years old. We go to Disney World for a family vacation. And we go down to the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And, uh, you know, in Disney's MGM Studios at the time is what they still called it. And so my dad's like, oh, it's not very scary, right? He tells that to Alec. And my mom hates roller coasters, hates flying and stuff. So, you know, she would just kind of come hang out and do some of the basic stuff and kind of watch and take pictures and all that kind of stuff. You know, overall, she's a pretty damn good sport for considering she didn't like all as many of the rides and shit as she could have. Um, but so Alec gets on this ride and you're, you know, you kind of ride along on it, right? It kind of gives you some stuff from the Twilight Zone TV series pretty fucking awesome ride i love that ride um but what he failed to mention to my brother is that you just go on a fucking free fall drop and at my age even then like in junior high like with the lap bar down right the lap bar only went down as the biggest people in your row so if you had anyone heavier than you like i remember feeling like i was going to slide out from underneath the lap bar because i was really fucking skinny as a kid and I just remember, like, how fucking terrified you were on that ride. And basically, when you get lied to about going on to a ride and what to expect, there's no trust to ever go on a fucking ride like that again. And I think that's where your fear and hate of theme park attractions come from, is from that bullshit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, What's your uh, number four? My number four is the Twister ride. Love the fucking Twister movie. That's in my top movies of all time. Me and you are going to hit up the Twister Museum because that's not a super far drive. But I never got to go on the Twister ride. I've only heard about it, seen some videos of it, and that's kind of more of an attraction necessarily than a ride, but just one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, I would have loved to have done that just because I love the movie so much. Like, Anything you can do that's immersive in some of those properties and branding you love, yeah. I really feel like I missed out on something special for that. Yeah, I did that one too. Well, what's your number three? Number three is another ride from Disney, uh, Alien Encounter. I remember that which, one. Um, when it was being built and conceptualized and all that was originally planned to be a ride for Alien. You know, it's supposed to have the Wayland, uh, what's the fucking thing? The Wayland whatever corporation. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the Alien, <clears throat> the Xenomorph, so it didn't, but it felt close enough. Yeah, they didn't get the rights to it, what but I it's thought close it was enough, as a kid, yeah. basically. So, it's, uh, that ride was always sick. And uh, I always remember as a kid, when we went there, uh, <clears throat> Dad always hyped that one up because Mom hated it because it was freaky as hell. So Yeah, because it's... It was always super fun. 
it's it's like you go into the room and yeah, that one wasn't like a roller coaster or anything. You know, it was like an experience, which is cool yeah, because you like sat the, in a room with like these weird chairs and there's yeah, an and alien you can in the center. Feel of all like you. the alien breathe on you and things like that. Yeah, so some of those like old ride technology and stuff. Or stuff that they've even done, like, in some of the 4D movie experiences you may see, like B&B has those around here. We're like, oh, here's a smell. Here's mist. Here's whatever that is. Like, right, theme parks are doing that long before movie theaters. So the technology's been around for a while. And I I remember going to that and enjoying that quite a bit. So So the first time I remember going on that was uh, Disney World 97. And I think you were in bed. But um, since we stayed on the park hotels, like they had a night where you had an extended after hours visit. And I think they're open to like midnight or something. And it was only for people that were staying on the hotels that had like multi-day passes. So it wasn't crowded at all, but we got to go on a bunch of rides that night. We went on like more rides that night than we did any of the days we were there because low volume, right? So, but mm-hmm. we went on that one and it was pretty awesome, like being in line in the dark then to go into that room and kind of experience that it was pretty sweet year number three honey i shrunk the kid or honey i shrunk the audience and the movie set park because they had this park that was outside near that that was like had the giant ants you could crawl on and the other stuff and like to me like that's a twofer right because those two properties tie together i mean like that experience and that so yeah. Um yeah, that was a fun thing too, right? You know, um you know where you feel like animals run under your chair cuz they're using the air blowing tricks and all those other things for that fourth dimensional thing. I remember there. the dog sneezing at you from like sniffing you, sneezing at you and then it sprayed you with water. Yeah, it sprayed shit. you with water, yeah. And yeah, to me that was just such a fun way to make that, right? You know, like you're telling a story within there, but it still feels very comprehensive for just being a little short like adventure at a at a theme park right you like you feel like you're actually in that experience especially as a kid i love that one that was so much fun so uh number two number two i had from universal jaws the ride which uh again i don't think you went on but i did get to go on yeah, fuck you. And was f- fucking sick. But honestly, it's not too different from the park tour. Like, the park tour is a way more condensed version, and there's a little bit of a part where you go into a barn that closes behind you, and it's on a boat is the big differences. But other than that, you do pretty much see the same elements that's on the Universal Lot Tour in Hollywood. So at least they have that going for them still, which is nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've heard, but they don't have, like, a back lot tour in, in uh, Florida there, so... No, they don't, because they don't have a back lot. Yeah, so, mean, <laughs> so my number two is uh, Back to the Future, the ride. Uh, I would have loved to have gone on that. I never got a chance to, and it just sounds like, you know, seeing the videos behind the scenes on it just seems fun. I mean, because as a kid, Back to the Future is special, because as a kid, I loved that movie, and I loved the sequels, even though they, didn't have, they never had a lot of toys and stuff for it, right? So it wasn't something I wanted to play. You know, I play Ghostbusters or I played Ninja Turtles, but I never played Back to the Future. Um, but like, that's just such a good story, and like to me, that's like almost the perfect trilogy out there, right? If if one could exist, I, I'd put that 
pretty fucking close to the top, right? Because those movies, all three go together well enough that you're like, yeah, I, I could, it'd be hard to beat that. And so the Back to the Future ride really is something I wish I could have been on. Yes. All right, you dingus. What's number one? Back to the Future, the ride. Um, I did get to go on this. And uh, it was cool as hell. Doc would be like, like you were in there, and it, you were in basically like Brown Industries Laboratory, or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, wasn't that one of those like cycling videos they had when you're in line for the ride? It would kind of like recycle through the storyline. Yeah, it would. I'm sure it had clips from the movies and stuff too, and then it had you know Christopher Lloyd reprising himself. And if you have the right DVD or Blu-ray, you have the the ride videos on your phone or for your fucking the disc so see my blu-ray is the 25th anniversary and i think that was all on the 30th and i didn't get the 30th um, version maybe you should check again it's only on one of the discs but i don't know which one it's on i think it's the second or third one maybe oh but check it i have the case i have is the the blu-ray case is the fucked up case of the the one where it's going to break all the discs on the way out and it has it on there okay i'll have to double check um, but yeah, I remembered getting in the DeLorean and it wasn't like, it was a roofless DeLorean that you got into, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like I've, you kind of, you kind of stepped up into it and then it had like four seats. You'd sit there and then there was also a little screen in front of you in the DeLorean and that's where the video of Biff would pop up when he was talking shit to you while you were like flying and chasing him. Uh, which was fucking badass. Dad talked shit on this ride, I remember, because he was, like, complaining about his neck or his back or something because it was, you know, kind of jerky and shit, but... Overall, sick ride. I miss it. What's your number one? Uh, my number one, man, is Jaws. Like, that is such an iconic ride, and I never got to go on it, and I always hear people talk about it. And, like, seeing the yeah. videos of it and seeing how that worked... And part of me really just trusts Kevin Smith on it. I mean, because you go out of your way to write a whole sequence about proposing to the love of your life when Joss pops out of the water. Right. And to me, that alone right there tells you how fucking amazing that had to be to fucking dedicate like a whole bit of a movie to that and like seeing what we saw on the backlot tour in LA just really really made me wish I could have gone on that in uh, Orlando yeah and uh, man if I could time travel there's a few rides I would like to get on so Honorable mentions, I had the Twister ride on there, or the, you know, experience. Ride the, what's it called? Ride the something? Yeah, I don't even know the full title of that one. Um, Captain EO. And I didn't even look up if this was still there or not, but I wanted to write it down anyway. But, uh, the Hall of Presidents. Oh, yeah, I could see that. As mentioned in Bill and Ted. That's the only reason, really, I wrote it on the list because they're like, "What did, what did George Washington say? 
Maybe it's Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. He said, Welcome to the Hall of Presidents. That's pretty <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. Yep, so there's definitely some fucking awesome rides out there that I really wish I could have been on, but, you know, life is life, and we get what we get, so... There's another one, I guess, and I'm not sure if it's still out there, but, like, the Batman the Ride at, like, Six Flags that, like, different Six Flag theme parks had. That was always mm-hmm. one that sounded fucking amazing that I never got to go on, so... And I don't know if that's still around or not, right? There is a Ghostbusters ride at some theme park. Uh, that's in... Uh, a foreign. Du- it's a Dubai experience, I think, or someplace in Dubai that has that one. It's fucking nuts. Yep. No, and so, like, that would be another close call, would be um, the Ghostbusters ride. Yeah. Or not even the ride, because, I mean, that was just the experience, but that was like an interactive show, and then they got lazy, and, uh, you know, I think yeah, they, they had a- made that, like, part of a parade show and, like, modernized it for extreme Ghostbusters, like, near the very end and stuff. Yeah, they had a Beetlejuice show, too, and at one point they kind of combined... And just did a little street parade show with Beetlejuice and the Ghostbusters before they went away, I think. so. You can find that online still. I've watched that, but I never saw it in person. But I did see their Ecto drive through in parades, as well as uh, they had a mystery machine. So we always had, I had pictures of seeing that in person. Like, not that from the movie or anything, because I don't think they had made it yet when we went there. Maybe they did, fuck, I don't know. But... Well, that's the joys they of rides. You never the, uh, really know. They always had the double-decker bus from The Mummy Returns sitting out front. This is another man's garbage. Featuring the movie The Faculty. It's Christmas 98, even though it feels like a summer movie. So, interesting. I'm sure you did some looking up about this movie, but obviously... um, I think I told you the other day that Robert Rodriguez directed it, and you didn't know that, because it doesn't stick out as a Robert Rodriguez movie, obviously. Since he, he didn't write it. Since he didn't write it, yeah, it doesn't have his typical vibes. But watching the way some of the... the when you look at the cast and some of the other things in there, yeah, you can get those vibes. Did you see who wrote it? Uh, I didn't take note of that. Who did write it? Kevin Williamson. No shit. You know what he wrote? He's written a lot of shit. Scream, Scream 2, Scream 4, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and The Faculty were the ones I took note of. (laughs) Um, The thing that's very attractive about this movie is you get to see Robert Patrick be evil again. Yes, that's actually one of the highlights of that movie, to be honest with you, is, uh, is, is his role. I liked his role a lot. Same. So you want to know the fucked up thing, though? When, like, when we first started talking about this movie, you ever just get shit mixed up? Or just kind of blurs? <laughs> like, this 
like parts of this movie just blurred with me with the movie Disturbing Behavior. And, uh, you know, for some reason I was thinking like that, I was like, I'm pretty sure this has that Harvey Danger song, Flagpole Sitta, which, you know, basically they're just talking about wanking one off is what that song's about. You know, there's a lot of songs about masturbation and that happened to be the 90s radio single about masturbation. <clears throat> no, know? this one has like Creed cover songs of Pink Floyd. Yep. And then and the offspring. It's a pretty fucking awful soundtrack. I'm not going to lie. I like the score, though. Yeah, so yeah, it had like Pink Floyd on there, and then you know, but it wasn't Pink Floyd; it was the cover by Creed, uh, whoever fucking did it. That was okay. Now the uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Crow and Soul Asylum are on there and shit. So the song that opens weird. the movie is uh, "The Kids Aren't All Right" by The Offspring, and like, I'm not a huge Offspring fan by any means, right? Um, like, I think they're fucking way overplayed, right? And they're one of those bands that like. The hard rock radio station in town wants to play some fucking Offspring, and they'll play certain songs, and then the fucking alternative station will play different Offspring songs, and you're like, the fuck's up with this bullshit? Um, but The Kids Aren't Alright is one of my favorite Offspring songs. It's like one of the few that comes on, and I'm like, oh, I don't actually fucking hate this song. So, there's there's that note. But... Yeah, I don't like it, but hey. Um, if you're going to talk about The Offspring, though... I'm just going to throw a shout out there to Idle Hands because we're going to be talking about that this fall because Idle Hands is a fucking classic. And it has the yeah, offspring in it rules. playing their song Beheaded and guess who gets beheaded? Pretty fucking slick. But that's for another day and another time. Today we're talking the faculty. So um, you have Elijah Wood, Josh Harnett, uh, Salma Hayek, John Stewart, Lots of recognizable faces in here. Christopher McDonald. Hell yeah, Shooter McGavin. Did you fuck yeah? Did you fucking recognize that Harry Knowles is in this? No. Who is he? Who do you play? Do you know who Harry Knowles is? The name's real fucking familiar, man. But I'm just drawing a blank. You yeah. Well, you might know him regardless, but he's the guy who ran Ain't It Cool News from like the mid '90s. It was like the the Star Wars news site and oh, okay. geek news site, yeah, movie site reviews and shit. And he he um he's he's actually portrayed by Ethan Suppley in uh, the Fanboys movie. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense. But he's but he's in this movie as one of the teachers, just like the huge guy with red hair. And he's not in it much, but he's in the teachers' lounge a couple times. And I was like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. And I looked it up, and sure enough, it's him. And I was like, huh. It's funny to watch like a, a movie like this, right? Because obviously Jon Stewart is a person I have a lot of respect for, just as like as a human in general nowadays. And like if mm-hmm. you've heard any of his... I think I listened to him on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, that podcast. And like he has a really good interview on there. And um, he's just a good fucking human. And so to go back and see him play such a fucking cheesy role in like such a such a sign of the time movies, right? It's that uh you know it's cheesy, but I guess the thing I do like about the movie is it's self aware enough that they are talking a little bit about um, you know, invasion of the body snatchers and things like that. Yeah. So um, Well that's the thing is it's it's basically Breakfast Club meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, and it and I don't know if you've realized that. 
Yeah, and they're aware of that, which I'm good with, right? Because they bring this whole group of kids together that, like, has nothing in common, no reason to be together, and, yeah, by the end of it, here you get that. Well, it's it's not even just that, but, like, you lo- literally look at the characters. They're all paralleled to Breakfast Club characters. Yeah. And I noticed this. And then I kind of looked it up and read more about it because it was a thing. It's a totally a thing that not just I noticed. I'm not, like, the first person to ever find this out or anything. But the character Stan is the athlete, you know, he's basically Andy in the Breakfast Club. Delilah's the popular girl, she's Claire. Zeke is the fucking druggy criminal, he's Bender. Mm -hmm. Elijah Wood is Casey, he's fucking Brian, and Stokely's obviously Allison. Which only leaves Mary Beth to be the fucking alien that doesn't fit. Yep. Yeah, which is funny because from the beginning of the movie, like, you know, they... You know, you see, what is it, Robert Patrick's character, you know, as the coach and, like, fucking loses his mind and, like, flips the bench on the sidelines after practice because practice doesn't go well or whatever, and he's just being a total dick. And then someone approaches him, like, you have no idea who, and he just goes, yeah, what? And then that's kind of one of those things that comes full circle at the end of the movie. Like you're just assuming that it's that student that approaches him, the, the alien queen. Right. It's, um, there's lots of interesting things about this one. Uh, so obviously you have Robert Patrick from Terminator two, but you also have John Stewart's character being named Edward Furlong. Yeah. That's a little <laughs> fucking tongue-in-cheek there, but, you know. Pretty fucking hilarious. It's the 90s, man. What do you uh, expect? We drove past the high school in this movie while we were in L.A. We were going to get out and take pictures, but it was under construction. Oh, so this was included it, on that list? Yeah, because that list for that high school is fucking nuts, man. Yeah. You didn't recognize it? Uh, I wasn't paying that close of attention, right? I, I mean, a lot of the football field scenes seem a little bit more relevant so so the uh also um the drug test when they're taking the drug Mm -hmm. felt like an obvious homage to the thing oh yeah blood test yes and i love that right because you can clearly tell what they were influenced by which is kind of one of the things that makes this movie a lot more charming than it could be right because they are aware of the they're aware of what they're doing. And yeah. if you're you not... You have to aw- think of this as like the scream of alien invasion movies. If you think of it a little like that, where it's a little tongue-in-cheek about what it's doing. Yeah, it's it's self-aware enough, but it also pays tribute to like what brought them to make it. And I... Sometimes that can be really shitty and really cheesy, and then sometimes it can be really well done. Like, this movie, like... Part of it is a really well-done movie, and then part of it just kind of like, eh... And I, I like most of it because I did see it when I was young. Yeah. And um, probably the fact that Robert Rodriguez directed it makes me like it more. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why, but uh, I love Robert Rodriguez. So it kind of makes me see it in a different way. I'm trying to see it through the lens of um, him directing it, you know. And some parts of it are really... the only. There's a couple bits. The, like some of the CGI parts are... Are bad CGI. Yeah, that's like the fingers crawling away when they're chopped off and shit. That's my biggest gripe. Is at the time it, it looked fine, 
it certain certain parts of the effect just don't age well. And I get that, right? You know, you're you're gonna have that happen. But for me, like where you go from practical effects to digital effects, like that scene you mentioned where the fingers get chopped off with the uh, paper cutter, mm-hmm. right? Like that scene looks amazing. Like that hand looks fucked up after those fingers get cut off. Like because that's practical. But then they land on the ground and crawl away, and like all of a sudden it looks like low res ninety CGI, which is basically what it is. But it's not all terrible, yeah. though, too. It's just inconsistent in that movie, I guess, is the other piece. Because some of the scenes for the Alien Queen near the end, like, look really good, and some of it just looks like trash. So, well, some of those, t- the Alien Queen, in, like, the, at least the very end when it's dead, is a fucking puppet. Yeah. So there's that. Um, has the fucking girl who plays uh, Jean Grey in the X-Men movies... Oh, Famke. As that teacher. Was it Famke Jansen or whatever? How are you say her name? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to say it, so I'm not going to try. But. Yeah, I butchered that. Yeah. Someone's going to be like, you're a fucking asshole. And you know what? I admit to that, so it's fine. But uh, it was funny. I always forget Shooter McGavin's in this. Christopher McDonald. Yeah, he's so. good in there, right? So, like... That's a good asshole dad. He is, man. Like, he's so good. He's so good as Shooter McGavin, but then I just love him in SLC Punk, too. Like, it's like, fuck, man. Like, I almost just wish there was more, like, bigger roles for him because he does have... Fuck you, dear. Yeah, he has, like, a good asshole role, right? Um, Yeah. You know what else blows my mind in this? Like, Elijah Wood is such a baby-faced Elijah Wood in this, man. He, like, looks like such a kid. Which is funny, cracks oh, me yeah. up. And then uh, Josh Hartnett or whatever, man, like that fucking haircut he has is like so old school and outdated, and like you know, just such a sign of the '90s. And there, you're like, oh, I was about man. to say, let's let's talk about his hair real quick because it looks like he is the first human to ever actually get in fight with a pair of scissors. Yes, because his hair is fucked. And here's the thing: it's not just fucked in this movie. Have you ever watched Halloween H2O? Uh, he, when he it came out, I saw it son. in theaters, yeah. He plays her son, and he has the same fucking haircut. He's almost the same character as he is in this Like, That's fucking, interesting. I hate it, and I want to shave his bastard ass head. I just watched Major Pain the other night. We need to cover that on the podcast soon. Oh, I fucking laugh my fucking ass off. Major Pain, that's a good movie. It's a good movie. I was thinking about how he shaved their heads bald. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, like, this movie, I, like, throws a few curveballs at you. Like, when you realize, like, Hartnett's, like, selling drugs the whole time, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. And then you find out, like, oh, it's a diuretic, so, like, okay, then that can defeat the alien. Um, yeah. But the thing in this movie, like, the biggest curveball in this movie is, like, when they go down to his basement lab, where, like, where he's... Like, I don't know what they're trying to imply that he's making. You're like, this doesn't look like anything you'd really do anything with. This just looks like you took some, like, lab supplies and, like, made some fucking dry ice bubble and look cool in the basement. Yeah. Like, you ever been in a fucking meth lab? I've been into a fucking meth lab at work. Doesn't look that fucking cool, and I got the fuck out of there pretty quick. But uh, that's that's not how people really cook drugs at home. So <laughs> that's not what that right. looks like. So don't be fooled by Hollywood. Don't Don't cook drugs at home, kids. Or adults, for that matter. Uh-huh. 
Oh, man. Um, no, I love the faculty, though. I was gonna. My first point, I was going to say, when did you first see this? Did you see it in theaters? Yeah, I'm pretty fucking sure I saw this in theaters. Um, I'd almost need to ask, like, Sound. Tony and Daniel. This seems like a movie I would have seen with them. But like I said, like, I was confusing part of this with, like, disturbing behavior, too, at the time. Like, before he watched it, so I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, some of those, some of the memories from then are just blurred. So, wow. I've, I've watched this quite frequently throughout the last few years. Once I got a copy of it, it's part of my collection now, so I don't ever have to worry about it and hunt it down because it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird movie. You can't always find it on a streaming service or anything, but sometimes it's on there, so. Well, I've got the digital copy now, so I'm all good to go there to rewatch it whenever, but yeah, it's definitely something I want to rewatch again without taking notes on, right? That's the only downside yeah. to taking notes sometimes is you get a little distracted of like trying to find the balance of watching stuff and then just sitting yeah. back. Like when I watch this next time, it'll just be for pure enjoyment to, to catch it and just take it all in and just kind of see what I missed last time. Take it in. Take, take it, it all, all in. in. <laughs> hey, speaking of that. No, um, um, I saw this for the first time with Nathan. Did you guys? I don't remember exactly. Did you guys rent uh, it or something? I don't, I think he's, I want to say his brother had a copy, and we borrowed it, or, or either that or his brother or mother or parents, you know, had rented it, somebody, either way, he had a fucking copy, and we had watched it, there might have been some other kids there too, I don't remember, but fuck those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Alright, you tell yeah, me how you really it was, um, it was an, exp- it was an experience, and I remember, I think, at this point, I'm old enough to realize Nathan is probably regurgitating facts to me that he heard, possibly from his brother, when he was watching this movie with him, you know, the first time or something, and he was like, what's this? And he was he would explain to me, like, what the fucking drugs were and shit, like, oh, this guy's dealing drugs and shit. And, like, I, we were so young when we were watching it, it was like, a, didn't even have a real concept of what a condom was, you know, you were like, I knew it has to do with sex. Oh, uh, Yeah. And see, what, Nathan's what? brother is, what, three years older than him? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. So he's kind of in between you and me there, right? So, yeah, just kind of like, okay, I could see, yeah, getting stuff from, from him. Yeah. But he always, uh, Nathan and me always watched a bunch of movies at his house. That was one of the things we did a lot. So, and his his parents, I remember, were big Coen Brothers fans. And he, he he tried to show me, like, Big Lebowski once when I was younger, and I was just, like, not into it. I just couldn't fucking get into it, because I was, like, you know, 10, 11, or 12 or something. I was just like, this is not a movie for me. I didn't get it then, but uh, I appreciate the effort now. <laughs> no, but we watched plenty of shit. Like, I watched Fear and Loathing with the first time with him. We snuck in and saw the Texas Chainsaw remake. So, it was just a good times. I can remember... Watching Sleepy Hollow with uh, him at our friend Austin's house one time for the first time, and I like never really seen many horror movies before that one at all. And that one still, I still don't even want to watch that one now because there's one scene in it I can think of in my head with Johnny Depp with like sharp teeth or some shit. Maybe it's not Johnny Depp. It's the it's the fucking monster guy in there. I don't, know, I don't remember much about that movie or how <laughs> the plot goes, but there's yeah. a fucking guy in there with fucking teeth, and they're really sharp, and he gets his head cut off or something, the, the horseman or whatever, but when, while he has a head, while he's alive, and they're doing his backstory or something, I think is what it is. Yeah. I haven't watched it since then, so I couldn't fucking tell you. 
There's some. There's but some. I, it, the images are burned in my head of the guy's creepy ass face and his head being chopped off and falling into I think a hole or something. So nice. Hey, so you know who has a cameo in there that's on the uh, Hollywood naughty list? You see Harry Knowles? No, did you see that? <laughs> a- no, did you see that asshole Danny Masterson appear? Oh yeah, but Harry Knowles is also on that list now too. Oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of fucking people on that list, and I can imagine it's only going to get bigger between them and the politicians. Uh, there's yep. a lot of fucking petter asses out there that need to be fucking locked away in a prison forever. For sure. So, um, I took a note here, right? You remember that TV show Squidbillies on fucking <laughs> Adult Swim? Oh, fuck that guy, dude. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, when, uh, when that teacher's head was cut off or whatever, and, you know, it's fucking running around like that, I was like, oh my god, is, like, is that what inspired Squidbillies? Was someone, like, tripping, tripping balls and, like, saw that and was like, oh, I gotta make a TV show about talking squids. Yeah, that guy just got fired, the lead voice actor from that show. Oh, yeah? For saying a bunch of fucked up shit. Hey, he also well, has a band, so he's pretty much one of those newly canceled people because he's saying a bunch of weird fucked up shit about Black Lives Matter and shit like that. So yeah, there's a bunch of assholes. You're like out how there. little did you know that he really was a squid billy? Yep, that's the fucked up thing. Is like when you get these people that have no idea like what kind of fucking privilege they have or how fucking easy their lives are compared to those of others. It's like it's as simple as the concept of like put yourself in someone else's shoes. But no one ever fucking wants to do that and admit that their shit's different than somebody else's. So, bunch of wankers. Just be a good pe- be a good person, or you can be a little fucked up. Everyone's got trauma. But don't. So, be- for those of you with real movie taste, you'll know that Mia from the Fast and Furious movies is also in this. <laughs> with real movie taste. All right. No, I will wholeheartedly admit that the Fast and the Furious movies are my only guilty pleasure. Oh, really? That's funny. (laughs) I do not... Everything else, I'm like, I don't feel guilt that I like it. That's the only movie that I act... Movie series, even. Because I'll watch almost all of them. Here's And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the fact that I saw the first two when I was younger. You know, like the first one, it feels like a shitty... B-movie drag racer version of Point Break. So I think you should watch that one again and give it a shot. That's just the first one, though. Don't go past that. I've never seen any of those. You should watch the first one. Just the first okay. one, at least. Yeah. They get super fucking ridiculous, because they're basically criminals street racing, and then they also do robberies and shit. Yeah. But honestly, if you like any sort of car stunts or anything, it has that going for it. And if you just don't take it too seriously at all, and you're just watching it, to be the disaster that it is, it's good. See, the first one, though, has those Point Break vibes with the undercover cop becoming friends with the guy that he's trying to fuck over, basically, you know? Yeah, and that makes sense, and I will watch that. Um, for me, though, man, like, that was... So, I'm a little older than you, so, like, right in the, in the late I'm 90s... I'm a little older, a little wiser. I don't know if I'm wiser or not. Started to get hair in really weird places. So, you didn't tell me about my pubes, did you? Um. So when this movie came out, like you know, everyone was like ricing out their cars, or right, you know, like oh, that's a rice burner car. Which when you look at it, you're like, well, that's that's 
fucking politically incorrect and kind of a fucked up way to say it, but everyone was, you know, putting loud exhausts on their cars and doing a bunch of shit, right? And import cars were all the rage in the late 90s. And yeah. uh, I just wasn't, like, nuts about car culture. Like, I liked my car. I threw some subwoofers in there, and, you know, and I fucking had a lot of, like, fast punk rock and metal and shit. Like, just crank up the double kick on there. And I didn't watch those movies just on account of it went against my principles as a punk rocker, so I was like, "No, I'm watching a fucking car movie. This is stupid." And yeah, I, I mean, and then I they, get that. Then they made like 700 of them. I'm just like, Jesus Christ! Between that and not seeing, having seen like the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies, I'm like, "There's, there's some big fucking movie series that I haven't seen anything of." So, so but like, when have I'm you an seen asshole the, the Mission Anti, Impossible? I haven't seen even seen all those. Now, the first Mission Impossible. Um, I own on VHS. Like I love the first first Mission Impossible. Ooh, owned by uh, directed by Brian De Palma. Yeah, who did uh, Scarface. Yeah, no, that and, one's uh, really good. Like that's in my original okay. VHS collection from you know not not the stuff I've got recently, which actually reminds me that I've got this VHS collection now. I need to go get the uh, VHS tapes and stuff out of the uh, garage and get those uh, get those in there. Yeah. Cause I got a whole crate. Say, of I didn't all that see stuff. that on your shelf, and now you, uh, now that I know that you have that, and at least Dawn of the Dead, that are really dope that I don't have. So I also have a band, The Casualties, like homemade tour, you know, video of like them. Like they didn't edit it at all. They basically just like whatever they fucking filmed on tour, they fucking <laughs> just duplicated oh, and sold God. with like with labels, and they had like good cases for it. I mean, the case and the label printing was probably more valuable than the the tape inside <laughs> um mm-hmm. but i still have a handful of original vhs tapes out there i think i've got my star wars special editions out there too um but you know i'm not gonna display those since i got a vintage copy of the unedited versions so i'm gonna display all of them next to each other well when i get a bigger I have when two I, of the unedited copies and the special edition when i get another uh bookcase or get a bigger vhs collection I'll, I'll probably get to a point where i'm displaying it all but for now i'm kind of uh yeah. but my holy grail vhs tape that i already have is dawn of the dead director's cut i fucking love that movie so good. i also do and i love the packaging for it and the fact that it's a little rare makes me wet for it so yeah that i remember like it was one of those things where, like, I had to give specific instructions at the time. Like, you know, mom and dad bought that for me for Christmas, and I had to tell them, I was like, no, I want the fucking director's cut. I was like, the director's cut comes in a different box, so don't buy me the fucking non-director's cut. Give me the director's cut. And they came through. Mm-hmm. I do have uh, a copy of Day of the Dead on VHS, though, which is my favorite zombie movie. It is? Well, maybe... At least favorite serious zombie movie. Shaun of the Dead might be my favorite zombie movie. It's so fucking good. Oh, man. There's so many that come to mind for me, but... And you can clearly tell we've wrapped up our conversation on The Faculty. So that's a fun movie. So go watch it if you haven't. Let us know what you think. But we'll keep this going on. So zombie movies, man. We need to talk about zombie movies in a top five soon. Um, Yeah, that'd be a good one. As we approach the Halloween quarter, and I'm not calling it months or you know we're gonna call it a quarter because it's gonna be 
I mean, I imagine we're still going to be talking Halloween movies and types and, and shit like that up until fucking Thanksgiving. That I mean, that's my goal. Right? Yeah, I would say so. September, October. I will watch scary movies all the way up until basically my cutover movie is the original Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like, I'll watch that, and that's that's my go-to is a Thanksgiving Eve movie. And after that, then I will start watching some of the Christmas or holiday movies that I really like. Um, See, on... Thanksgiving Day, I always like to watch uh, Son-in-Law, because I watched Planes and Trains and Automobiles the night before. Watch Son-in-Law on Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving Day. And then I like to do uh, like the old school you know, sci-fi Mystery Science Theater 3000 marathon. Hell yeah. Yeah, so if you're up here this year and you get moved up here in time for then, after uh, we celebrate a vegan Thanksgiving, we'll... Uh fucking uh get into some of those movies thanksgiving day hell yeah so what are your final thoughts man uh how's your week going what are you looking forward to well i gotta figure out this bill and ted things all the theaters here closed down again after they reopened but some of them are reopening again i don't know how i mean it just depends on what what's open how i'm gonna end up seeing this movie um, and if they even show it, because right now it's nothing showing up near me on like the Bill and Ted official website. Oh, so the uh, Malco Drive-ins not even like scheduled to show it yet? Not yet. So I don't know. I'm gonna stream it if I have to. We'll see. But we'll. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm nervous about it. Yeah. See, I get nervous about that too. Right, and then. The other thing I would say, right, just thinking about it, because the interdimensional crosser it brought up, like, do you think there's a possibility they would release Ghostbusters digitally? And I left a voicemail for their show, like, earlier today thinking about it, and I said, I don't think they would move it up before 2021, mostly because of toys and marketing, because they were successful in, like, being able to delay some of their toys from hitting shelves. Whereas other movies have not been that successful, right? Like, Yeah, also that date has already passed, and they haven't announced anything like that, so there's no reason to believe that they're going to do that just because one other movie did, and some other people are going to do it. You well, know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, as as, as much as, as an insult it is to Bill and Ted 3, is worth way more in terms of money and everyone's time and marketing and everything. Yes. Bill and Ted 3 does not have the capacity behind it that Ghostbusters Afterlife does. So No, Bill and Ted's kind of hitting a niche market, and like I get that. But the other thing that makes me really, when I stop and evaluate in more detail, like Top Gun was supposed to hit in December this year, right? After they moved it from summer. Well, yeah. they've already moved that to July of 2021 right now. And that movie was like, almost done for like almost a fucking year because they delayed it for editing and purposes and things like that. So that movie was yeah. originally supposed to drop in 2019. So you're looking at a two year fucking delay on that movie because they want the return on investment. Like they've spent enough money on that. They're like, no, we're fucking moving this out to be a summer blockbuster. And, <laughs> and it's, it's funny because new mutants is actually coming out in August, isn't it? Yes, New Mutants or September is, or something. No, New New Mutants is supposed to drop uh, the end of August, right? Like what is it, twenty eighth or something like that? 
The last. What is that like a five year old movie at this point? The last Friday of the month. Yeah. So like, if you're looking at that, and that's been plagued by that, but I just think with the money and the risk that Sony's putting into another Ghostbusters movie, if they're gonna follow suit like Top Gun and you're gonna have a legacy sequel, right? I don't think they would move that up. I think if anything, they would delay it further just so it has yeah. time, right? Because if you're willing to push Top Gun out two years, yeah, you're going to be willing, you know, Sony's going to be willing to move Ghostbusters out. Hands down, I think that's going to be something that's a possibility. <sighs> I don't want that to happen. That would be frustrating. But at the same time... It'll become a big question of, would you rather see... Would you rather it get delayed another year? Or would you rather see them just release it digitally in March? Yes, and then at that point, that becomes what's the return on investment like? Like, right? That's why where some of these digital releases get sketchy for people because I'll tell you flat out right now, they need to cut some of the BS on this. Like, right when I bought Scoob, I bought Scoob digitally, and then you know they finally released a physical copy later on, which is fine. Like, I'm, I mm-hmm. I don't buy a lot of physical copies anymore. It's just. I'd rather have my space in my home for collectibles or like vintage VHS tapes, things like that that have other value to me. And and I'm not clowning on anyone that does. Just for me, this is what works. But people are complaining about the cost of the rental. Well, if you look at a family of two, a family of four or larger, like the price, the price point becomes very, very, very affordable and a much better value even to rent it and then to buy it again, right? You could buy... For a family of four, let's say you spend sixty bucks to go to the theater. Okay, so you buy, you pay thirty dollars to rent it or twenty dollars to rent it, and then you pay twenty dollars to rent it or thirty dollars to buy it later on when it comes out again, and, and you spent fifty there, and you've been able to watch it at home. But I just wish yeah. they would immediately let me buy it, right? Okay, if I want to rent it, twenty bucks. If I want to buy it, forty bucks. Whatever, just double, just charge me double so I can buy it and watch it as many times as I want immediately. Yeah. And I get it because some people aren't going to want to buy it right away, but I mean, movies make their money on the blockbuster, the box office piece, and then on the the home video sales, right? Well, that's the thing: is the blockbuster sale is the real important, like the the while it's in theaters, that's the important thing for for the most part to people in studios. Yes, is the blockbuster box office? Why am I saying blockbuster? Because I heard you say it, and then I just. Couldn't stop saying it. Now I'm thinking about Blockbuster and how I miss it. That's fine to miss that. I miss it too. But anyway, uh, the box office is what's important to the studio. Yes, and that's and to me, for like the gamble they're going to do here, right? So when you look at Ghostbusters, all the other things that they talked about being in development were fairly official releases as far as like what was in works, right? So there's an animated movie that was in works. And there was Ghostbusters Ectoforce in the works. And I think both of those projects got delayed because of Reitman's Afterlife. And I think with those two things, there, there's still a high possibility that those could happen or will happen. And they just need to be modified to fit the new canon of the story, which is fine. I'm good with that, right? If you know you're going to have a legacy sequel here to tell more stories at and you're going to send it ahead in the future, or whatever you're going to do, but just have that option available, right? Um, Because let's say you want to do a real Ghostbusters movie, 
right? Like, you know, let's say that that's the 3D movie they wanted to do. Well, what would you do different in that knowing like what afterlife happens and, you know, kind of gives you that time gap, right? Where would you fit that story in to make it somewhat canon? I, I think that's interesting. So I don't, I don't see them messing around with that too much. But at the same time, I also see Sony being a little more modest with some of the budgeting because, like, let's face it, with Answer to Call, one of the biggest problems they had was it lost money because box office was kind of low, but they overspent on marketing that movie. They way overspent on marketing that movie. Yeah. And that just didn't work out well. And then when you look at it in other ways, there's other things that you would recoup your money through, right? Well, the toy line was very fucking limited, right? You had four, you had a six-figure series of full-size figures: the four Ghostbusters, uh, a, a Rowan, or I guess seven. Sorry, a Rowan. Um, what's that goddamn demon ghost name? I always forget it. Mayhem. Yeah, Mayhem, and then you know your Stay Puft balloon figure, right? So you got seven full-size figures, and then you had the Ecto minis. And a couple other random things and like a proton pack, right? So you did not have a very robust toy line and the stuff at the lower price point really didn't do anything. Like the Ecto minis are static figures. They don't do anything. So aside from getting an Ecto one that they could fit in and then having an Ecto mini fit in with the proton pack to project it, right? Yeah. Fuck all that. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. So like part of me just knows that this movie's going to be better based on the fucking what they're doing with the toy line alone, right? You've got a good toy line coming out, which if you don't have a good movie coming out or something like that, you're not going to allow a, that much to be spent on a toy line too and everything else. So that's another thing that gives me confidence here is like the amount of stuff I think we're going to see and get. So, and the quality so of they, it. So I don't, I don't think they we're... They played a... I just don't think it's going to get a digital release. I think it's going to wait for a theater release, even if it takes longer. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel if they tried to delay it again from March. I mean, if it was only a couple months, that's one thing. But if they tried to delay it another year, I'd be like, I'd almost, I don't know, man, I'd almost be like, just fucking give it to me. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know how much I could take. My big thing on that, I would be okay with that as long as they guaranteed a theatrical release. Or if they're doing like they were able to do with Bill and Ted. Okay, for places that aren't open... We're not going to do that, but for places that are being able to successfully stay open, like we will do a theatrical release. Like I'm okay doing the hybrid release, right? But I just don't want it to get. Well, it. somebody needs to do. You know how they, when the new Lord of the Rings movie came out, like the third one, they would do an event where they played the first two with it. They need to do that with Ghostbusters, so you can watch all three. Yeah, AMC tends to do that a lot. I'm not sure if a lot of other chains do that, but you know they did a lot of that with the MCU as well. You know, and they do like. You know, I think they did, like, the two-day marathon or whatever leading up to uh, Endgame, which is nuts. Yeah. They did this. I would have loved to have done it, but also not. (laughs) Yeah, there's people, like, that I know that saw it, and, like, you know, they had to, like, pick on their list of, like, okay, I want to see certain scenes in this movie, so this is my time to sleep since I'm going to be here for, like, two days, you know, so picking some of the lesser known movies in there to to watch and stuff, so. (laughs) But I would love that because... I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2 on the big screen since being a kid. And yeah, if that's what that it, needs if, to fucking happen if, already. If that's what it takes to get 
Ghostbusters 2 on the big screen? Yeah, give me all three of them. I'll go watch all three of those back to back to back. I'll make a day out of it. Hell yeah, I will. You're goddamn right, and I'll do it in my outfit too. Yes, I will. I got different jumpsuits. I'll bring different jumpsuits for everything. I got a piss hose, so I don't even have to leave the theater. Hey, my buddy Dustin can help you with that. So one time we were over at our buddy Dustin's house. He'll be pissed, but I know he doesn't listen. Um, And if he does, he'll be pissed anyway. So my buddy Nick took a picture of him. He's like, yeah, I I figured out a way I could actually rig this thing up, you know, so you could use it to go to the bathroom if you wanted and, like, had this whole device, and it was just like, dude, that's gross. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, just don't. Just don't. He's like, "Uh, yeah, you just get a catheter. Yeah, basically, it was a hospital. One of those things you're like, no, let's not do that, but. I will say, yeah, man, <laughs> Bill and Ted's going to be amazing, and I'm hoping that that hybrid release is successful. I hope that people pay attention to that, but at the same time, man, I think the theater chains, if they want to survive, and Hollywood, if they want to keep pushing on, at some point in time, just going to have to say, fuck it, and start releasing stuff. And I think we're getting really close to that point. Because AMC was one of the few holdouts, right? A lot of other theater chains opened and were showing classic movies just to maintain business, to help their employees. And AMC was like, no. Now, when they do reopen, they are going to show some of the movies that everyone else has been playing, which is ignorant on their part, especially in our market, because you've got a local theater chain, the Screenland Armor, that's been playing all kinds of awesome stuff. It's incredible. Like, I can't believe I'd never been there before the COVID stuff, but, like, now it's like, that's the fucking go-to place, right? Like, that's my, you know, like, that's, like, home base for a theater now, right? It's just a, yeah. it's a special place to have like that local vibe, right? If you take the things you like about, you know, the Draft House having hosted shows and things like that, and then you just have completely local people there that are just passionate about movies. Incredible, very incredible. Um, and I feel lucky to have mm. that in town. And they've been operating the whole time. And then even B and B, like which is a smaller kind of a family-owned chain as well. I mean, they're still big, but. You know, they've been open and doing things as well. So up here running the drive-in, and then some of the theaters have been open as well. So a lot of other theater chains haven't taken the stance that AMC has. So in some of these markets, I think AMC is going to be surprised by the lack of people going to see these classic movies. And they're like, oh, we're going to have 15-cent movies the first day. Okay, but people that really wanted to see those movies on the big screen probably already have. Don't think they're going to go to you yeah, for no, it. I think that'll be a big thing going forward, though, too, with theaters as playing old movies more. Yeah, well, when you've got a... Like, s- theaters might always have a couple theaters playing old movies, you know what I mean? Well, they sh- might be a thing now. They should, man. Like, that's what that's how movies used to be. You know, they'd get circulated around the country and show stuff that wasn't brand new or stuff that's been out for a while to keep things fresh. And, and there's just no reason. Yeah. There's just no reason not to, right? Especially in times when you have slow seasons, right? You know, there's always, like, slow release seasons, right? Let's say January through March. There's typically not a lot of big movies that come out then. Um, I mean, you'll occasionally get, like, a Valentine's Day release or one or two horror movies kind of thrown in there, you know? Um, But nothing you're really expecting a huge return on investment on, right? So you're usually throwing out some low-budget stuff that was going to kind of make itself back anyway in the home video market and throw it in theaters, so... I don't know. Yeah, no, I just uh, just looking forward to theaters getting back and doing some of that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I've sat through me through movies wearing a mask. I have no problem with that. The spacing's been right on that. The social distancing's been there, so I'm all good with that. Like I'm 
comfortable at the theater, comfortable at the drive-in. So start putting these things back yeah. out there because eventually Hollywood's going to say, all right, America, you can't get your shit together, but internationally everyone else can, so we're going to start releasing these movies. And it's going to look real fucking bad on us if Hollywood determines that we are not their primary market anymore. <laughs> right? I mean, the Chinese market for movies is insatiable for American movies, right? Um, and even with some of their censoring content and things like that, you know, there's that huge draw they have over there, right? So don't fuck this up so bad that people aren't focused on, like, making movies here that we can relate to or that we want to see. Like, they're going to go where the money's at, ultimately, right? They're a for-profit business. They're not a non-profit. They're not trying to do this just to entertain us for fun. They're doing this because they like to make money. Now, the people that make the movies do it because it's fun, but the people financing that like to make money. So, something to consider. Well, with that being said, I think we'll wrap up this week's podcast. Um, be sure to subscribe to our content, our various social media websites, what have you. Hey, shouldn't you announce something, though? I mean, I guess I will. Just the fact uh, that we didn't have a whole lot of contest entries makes it a little lackluster. But uh, Edgar and Nathan, you've both won. So uh, either send us our address after you listen to this, or we maybe we've already hit you up by the time you listen to this and ask for your address. We do have some other stuff coming out, though. We'll, we'll do some other contests. I know not everyone collects VHS, so... Um, and then we yeah. will have some merch stuff coming out. I've got a few things in the pipeline that we're hoping to get out here uh, really by October, I think, is kind of like my deadline for some of this stuff. So we'll talk about more about that yeah. as, as we get there. But congrats to Edgar and Nathan. Thanks for participating in the COVID-19 giveaway, episode COVID-19 giveaway. Congratulations. Uh, we got what we got for entries, and uh, we will uh, catch up with you next week. Time for all the children to go, Betty Pie. Time to go, Betty Pie. Oh, spash These are my dinner guests, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, the Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests, Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. Shut this off. Shut these all off.